This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's grabbing out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Brian Billick and Steve Mariucci here for the Coach Show Podcast. This week we discuss the Patriots and Broncos, overtime classic, and the shootout between the Chiefs and the Chargers in Kansas City. Plus our take on how the NFC North is shaping up. And with seven straight wins, are the Carolina Panthers legitimate Super Bowl contenders? The Coach Show Podcast, reviewing Week 12 in the NFL, starts now. Well, you, Steve, we got to start. That was a classic last night. You were telling me again with... Okay. It was you're like me at twenty four nothing. I kind of went to sleep. I was after my game and I was tired. You got on a plane and you didn't even know what happened once you landed. I stayed in the studio in Los Angeles after the highlight show and I saw the first half. Okay, and you know twenty four to nothing. I'm going. Oh my god. I'm starting to feel bad here for Tom Brady at home and you know the whole thing and it's miserable for those fans. Well, I had to catch a plane to come home to Northern California. And so when I landed, I, I said, I called Gail and I said, are you watching the game? She goes, yeah. I said, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I want to watch it. She recorded it. So I waited till I got home, started it up with the third quarter, and I stayed up late and I watched that game and I'm still in disbelief. I mean, that was, that was a classic. If you want to talk about this rivalry between Brady and, and Manning, well, this tops them all. I mean, this is what a game, huh? What struck me was, and everybody's going to talk about Peyton Manning can't play in the cold weather and this, that, and the other, but Tom Brady, you talk about when when I kind of left the game initially and it looked like, okay, we've all been there. It's one of those nights where every and everything went against the New England Patriots. Turnovers, fumbles, everything. But Brady never blinks. You know, there was a calm about him. As you saw, and they gave shots on the sideline, and the way he methodically came out. Steve, we've both been there. When you're down that much, what do you tell your offense? Look, let's just get one score. Don't try to chase it all. Let's just get one good drive, one score. And Brady just kept coming back. And and they had a couple breaks. Obviously, it evened up a little bit. Uh, It was just classic Tom Brady. Well, you're right. And and it wasn't just... Tom Brady that I was watching, you know, as they're shooting Bilicek on the sidelines and the other players and the fans and, you know, the whole the guys with the muskets and, you know, and all that. And so um, it, they, you're right. They didn't blink. And it's because now if you had a bad team and you're down 24 to nothing like that, Brian, you know, it's time to panic. But if you have a good team, a team that's mature and they're veteran like and they've been there, done that, then you just say, OK, we're going to get to halftime and warm up a little bit. And then we're gonna we're gonna we're we're not gonna play like this because it's kind of crazy losing three you know uh, the three turnovers in that early in the game and of course that led to points so uh, it was amazing but then it did flip because Denver started to turn the ball over and give it right back to them and and uh, all of a sudden we had a ball game and we got to talk about obviously the decision at the end because this is the coaches show. And and obviously when Denver, and you get to give them credit, they responded. They came back to tie it up, to send the thing mm-hmm. into overtime on a wet, miserable, uh, cold, windy night. Uh, and, then, and then it gets interesting because they go to the middle of the field. Uh, they flip the coin. New England wins the toss. And the fans are going nuts. They're excited. We get the ball first. And Bill Belichick defers to the Denver Broncos and decides to take the win. Let's let's listen to what Coach Belichick said regarding that decision. 
I mean, we just have to keep them out of the end zone, obviously. And uh, you know, I just felt like the win would be an advantage if, if we could you know, keep them out of the end zone on that first drive. So we were able to do that. It was, this, the win was significant in the game. Yeah, let's talk about that decision, Steve, because, again, yeah. you know our mantra here. If you're right, you're, you're a genius, and if, if, you're, and if it doesn't work, you're the village idiot. And obviously it turned out right. But even Belichick's players kind of wondered, are you sure you want us to do that? Let's talk about the thought process of why he chose to do that. Yeah, when I was watching that on a recording uh, later on, when they when the, the captains even were confused and were talking to each other like, what, what, what? And it, and then all of a sudden it's you know the they will defer. It's like whoa, was there confusion? Did they make a mistake? What happened? But let's think about that because when the rule changed, Brian, in what 2011, where you know the the team that receives can win it with a touchdown only because if they punt or if they kick a field goal or whatever, the other team will get the ball. Think about it. It kind of makes sense if the wind is that drastic and it was it was very windy and getting colder by the minute in in new england last night uh you know that means that team and you're only going to play one quarter you have to punt pass and kick against the wind for the entire quarter the other team will punt pass and kick with the wind the entire quarter so basically they're saying peyton manning has to go 80 yards against our defense in the cold in the wind um he has to go 80 yards for a touchdown for them to win the game. Otherwise, we're going to get the ball back and have to kick a field goal. And so it kind of makes sense with the new rule now where I think more teams will defer if, if the wind is that strong. Now, we had one in Minnesota and Green Bay, and Mike McCarthy won the toss and took the ball, all right? And they stalled on a goal line situation and ended up kicking a field goal. So I thought it was a pretty interesting uh, decision by Bill Belichick. Obviously, it worked out. Yeah, and you heard in his comments because he was saying basically all we had to do is not give up a touchdown. Right. Because if it became the exchange of field goals, then he felt like, okay, that's going to be to my advantage because I have the win. But I, I got to say this now, and you're right, it makes an infinite amount of sense to do that. We remember our, our friend Marty Mortingwick. Now, the rules yep. were a little bit different. Remember yep. when he did that, when, when the Bears were playing down at the University yep. of Illinois in Champlain, I and do. Detroit went down there, and it was a windy, really... Uh, he did the same thing for the same right reason, and all Chicago did was go the length of the field, kick a field goal, and win, and they ran Marty out of town in I Detroit. Know. So, now that's, the, But, but that's let me ask you this. Would you have had the nerve, because I'm with you 100%, and you just laid it out beautifully... Are you going to kick off by choice to Peyton Manning? This is Peyton no. Manning. No, okay, you're not, not kicking off to you're not kicking off to Joe Schmoltz here. It's Peyton. Man- that was a heck of a call. It was. Now, if it's a rookie quarterback, well, there are a lot of young quarterbacks playing in the league that you know haven't played much against the wind and old man winner. Uh, I'd say, yeah, it's a good thought, but against maybe the best guy of all time, and say, here, you have the ball. If you can score a touchdown, we'll lose. Um, then I'm going to get criticized on the coaches' podcast. You know what I mean? Uh, I probably would not have done that. But to his credit, he felt that, hey, that guy is not going to go 80 yards and score a touchdown, not tonight, no how. And, and, and just uh, that's, that's the decision he made. He was right. But I, I will say this, Brian. In watching the game closely, Tom Brady played much better than Peyton. Agreed? Agreed? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. By Particularly far. in the Not second half close. and down the crunch. Not even close. And so, 
And so, and Peyton was, he seemed to be less willing and less able to throw the ball on a night like that. No, Sean Marino had over 200 yards rushing, and they were very good at running the football and controlling the sticks that way in the first half. But when Peyton had a throw, um, he wasn't as functional as we've seen him game after game after game in his career. And I'm just wondering if, you know, there are some quarterbacks, you know, like a Tom Brady who's played in that kind of a weather late in the year two or three times every year, plus playoffs, and a Brett Favre who plays in that kind of weather, you know, two or three times every year, and then some of their away games are in New York or Chicago, right? You get a little bit better at it. Peyton Manning's had dome life, right, really. And not that he hasn't played in cold games before, but it, it, Tom Brady played better than Peyton Manning uh, with old man Winter officiating that game. And it was that simple. So it, there, there's a question in my mind, you know, how many more games will Peyton get like that uh, this year against the, you know, with 18-degree weather and wind? Interesting. And it's a legitimate question. Again, it's hard to talk like this about Peyton Manning, but it's going to continue to come up until he wins one of those cold weather games. Now, in defense of, of Peyton Manning, keep, let's keep in mind, his numbers weren't really huge because particularly in the first half, they didn't have to be. They had all these short fields. Plus, like you said, they ran for better than 240 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was 19 to 36. So I think, I think he performed all but, you know, not good enough to win. Um, given the circumstances that they gave to him. And in that overtime, both the quarterbacks now, you know, neither one was able to uh, actually Manning moved his team much better than Brady did. If not for the muff punt, New England, you know, got that gift at the end of the game, which was probably right. fair because it bounced out the turnovers. Uh, but the Denver defense, everybody said, well, the Denver defense is terrible. Denver defense stepped up pretty good. They shut Brady mm-hmm. down twice. Manning and them actually moved the ball pretty good, but not well enough, obviously, to get it into scoring position. So I don't disagree with you at all. Until he can win some cold weather games, we're going to continue to hear this. But I think given the circuit, it was just a, it was a great game. And I'm still Classic waiting. Game. I think it was clearly underlined. I'm still waiting to jump on the bandwagon of the team that can go on the road and get a definitive road win. Right now, the best road win I've seen is Carolina going into San Francisco. But right now, it looks like everybody could hold serve at home, but have a tough time getting it on the road. Yeah, it's amazing how in, in sport, that football particularly gives you, seems to me, the, the best home field advantage, football. And maybe because it's such a communicative sport, uh, the, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, talking and, and signals and communicating that way. Yeah, some of it's visual, uh, but it's uh, it's amazing. The Colts came into San Francisco, too. Remember, Brian, and won a big road game. Uh, you know, it's, so it's uh, it's going to be fun to see. But, you, boy, you better be, you know, t- I guess to, to win on the road, you got to pack your defense, right? And you got to pack your run game. Well, a lot of teams don't have a run game anymore. So um, it's going to be fun to watch going forward. Now Denver's got to go on the road against Kansas City. That ought to be fun. Yeah, and that, I think, although it was a real shootout and you saw some positive things from Kansas City, we went going into this saying, okay, what's Kansas City going to do when they've got to go on the road to play Denver, then play San Diego, and now they're going to get Denver all but at home. And now, you know, obviously the hot Kansas City Chiefs have fallen off the last two games. We said against Denver the concern was, well, could Alex Smith keep up in a shootout? Well, against the Chargers, he 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 really did. He just couldn't quite yep. keep up with an unbelievable day by Philip Rivers. 
that was an offensive battle, and, and uh, it's probably the best offensive output the Chiefs have had in a while. And it, it looked like an Alex Smith could match yard for yard, completion for completion. What's different about Kansas City right now is we all know it's their defense. Uh, a couple of weeks back, their defense was leading the league in most of the uh, major defensive categories. And all of a sudden, that's changed. They've given up over 400 yards of offense three games in a row. Uh, they're not sacking the quarterback. They were leading with 36 sacks by far, and all of a sudden they can't get to the quarterback. And boy, oh boy, Brian, in watching that game, when Tom Ball Lee went down and went out, yep. and Justin Houston, all of a sudden those two bookends are not coming off the edges. They're a different team. That you know they were having trouble getting to the quarterback even with those guys, and now without them, I don't know how long they'll be out. But boy, they need them back for the playoff run. Uh, you know. The Chargers got 41 points on that defense. You know, if it's not a freezing cold, windy day, what will a healthy Peyton Manning offense do? Particularly without Holly and Houston, and it's going to have huge ramifications because we talked about the, the the unique thing about we know that uh, Kansas City and Denver uh, likely they're going to be one or five. It's going to be one way or the other, yeah. and certainly now with Kansas City, can they hold serve at home? And just like I said, can Denver be that team that goes on the road to go get a, what will be a huge, substantial win in beating Kansas City and leaving not not Kansas City vulnerable of being out of the playoffs, but clearly going to drop to that five. So that means outside of that first playoff game, uh, well, even at number five, they're going to go on the road, Kansas yeah. City will, uh, that first week. And, and are they good enough to go on the road whether they're going to have to go into a Pittsburgh or are they going to have to go into a Cincinnati. They won't have to go into Pittsburgh, excuse me. They'll have to go into Cincinnati. They'll have to go into Indianapolis. Can they mm-hmm. take that on the road, particularly if they're shorthanded? So, again, I'm still waiting for to, to, to sign on with this team. that I And the NFC is the same way. That I don't know that Denver's that team yet. I haven't seen this big, substantial road win by Denver either. New England's the same way. We saw them go on the road down to Carolina and not be able to hold up. So, you know, the parity in the National Football League, what, three quarters of the league? What's the number? Three quarters of the league is still within a game or so of making the playoffs. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. Well, and that's what the league wants. They want every city uh, with a little bit of hope, keep filling up the stadiums. And that's fun about the whole thing because, heck, in the, in the AFC, there are six teams at five and six. Six teams are trying to jump into that wild card spot. Look into your crystal ball, will you, Brian? Who's going to be the one and two seeds? Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been, I, I usually do this on TA, and I'm still sticking with Denver as the number one seed. I think they'll go on the road and beat Kansas City, particularly yeah. now. I think Kansas City will be five. Uh, when you look at their schedule, the Kansas City, not that any game is easy, but outside they get past Kansas City, they've got a fairly favorable schedule to go with. Not that New England doesn't. Uh, I think New England sits there at number two, which is not a bad place to be. And then we're going to see Tom Brady come into uh, come into Denver to make this thing happen. And the key is, who's going to be that sixth seed? I think a lot, what happens Thursday night between Pittsburgh and Baltimore could take us a long way into seeing, because it may very well come down to that head-to-head to see who that sixth seed is. Yeah, in fact, right now, if it were playoffs today, it'd be Tennessee, which is really surprising. They've really hung in there. Um, you know, all the all these coaches, since it's the coaches podcast, all of these coaches that started off the season on the hot seat, that's 
those seats have cooled off pretty good. Ron Rivera was one of them. He's cooled off that seat. I think Rex, I think Rex is fighting with a rookie quarterback. He seems to be okay. And, uh, you know, and Mike, Mike Munchak, like you there. said, in Mike, Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, Mike Munchak is in a six seed right now and, and potentially in the playoffs. So they've done a heck of a job, you know, uh, with all that additional pressure and all that baloney. But I, I'm kind of with you. I think Denver's going to end up winning that thing. And I, I suppose I'm going to pick them over our buddy Andy Reid over there in Kansas City because of the health of their defense. But, uh, I don't know. If, I don't see anybody else beating the Patriots on their schedule. I'm looking at it right now at Houston. Boy, is Houston in a they're in a bad spot. Oh boy! And then and then they have Cleveland at home. They should win that one. At Miami's always a tough one for Tom Brady, but they they'll be favored. And then at Baltimore would be a good one in Buffalo. So so the Pats could possibly run the table, but end up with a number two seed. But it's still going to be interesting. A lot of football to play. Well, let's talk about uh, our friend Andy Reid. He had kind of a fun. Go round with Philip Rivers, a very emotional quarterback. That uh, have you ever had a? And I, I don't. I think it was probably just a competitive kind of a fun thing. I don't think there's any vitriol in it at all. You ever have a go round with a player uh, from the sideline like that? Well, and I'm still waiting to find out really what happened. What was said? Were they kidding each other? Were I, I they think kind of kidding, but I don't think it. I don't think it had any. Uh, like I said, I don't think it was a vitriolic back and forth. I think it was kind of competitive. Hey, yeah, we're getting that. And, you know, Andy took it okay. I don't think it was a negative thing necessarily. It wasn't a Steve Smith, Aqib Tlaib deal. Um, <laughs> no, no. That was funny. Or me um, or me with Rodney Harrison when he comes running over and yeah, what reels was out a bunch of expletives. And I, uh, no, I blow him a kiss that from one, the Brian. Take us through. What happened there? That was, that's right. That was, well, that. you know, we're, it was my last year and we're not very good. And, and, and New England's on this undefeated run. And we, a lot of people think we're the only team that can really stop their, you know, 16-0 run here during the regular season. And we're on top. We're, we're really, we're kicking the water out of them and, and playing good defense and actually moving the ball offensively. And we're moving down the field, and we're going we're gonna to get a score to put this thing away. And we're going to beat the New England Patriots. And uh, Kyle Bowler throws an interception to Rodney Harrison. Well, Rodney Harrison, for whatever reason, and I love Rodney Harrison. I'd, I'd take a whole team of Rodney Harrison. He makes a beeline to the sideline towards me and starts referring to Kyle Bowler and his mother and my mother and everybody else's mother and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and in unflattering terms. And so I just kind of blow him a kiss saying, hey, I love you, Rodney, and you can kiss my backside. Get out of <laughs> and here. Obviously, that gets caught on tape, and we'll live with that forever. But, uh, you know, because it is an emotional time, and that back and forth with the players. But my sense is that uh, Philip Rivers, who we know is a very emotional guy, and Andy and Andy was going to handle it just right. And I, I, I imagine right now it's, it's kind of much ado about nothing, but always great for drama. Yeah, and then last night on the highlights, uh, we were seeing Philip Rivers doing that to – Jay Cutler, other teammates, or not right. teammates, other, you know, other, co- he, cause he's a feisty guy now, Philip Rivers, he, 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 he can do that a little bit and I love him too, but that's, that was to me, if it was Chon back and forth, it would be really uncharacteristic of Andy yeah. Reid cause that's not his style. I, I wonder if he all. said something about Andy's mother, like, like Rodney so. Harrison said about my mother. So, well, did you hear the quote, Diane Long, um, she, she, she and Howie, of course, were at the game, right, with, the, with, the with Chris, with Chris and, and, uh, and And yeah. she tweeted or texted wow. that, I know one thing, if they're talking to each other, they're not making fun of each other's mother or something like that. And it was really <laughs> a classic tweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
let's. I had I had the Detroit game yesterday uh, with Tampa Bay, which was really a heck of a ball game. Huge missed opportunity for Detroit. Let's talk about that NFC North right now. If for no other reason, let's talk about the quarterback situations, beginning with Green Bay, who pulled out a tie. Who could say yeah. that was a positive thing? Pulled out a tie with the Green Bay or with the Minnesota Vikings, and of course Chicago just got beat down beat by down. the St. Louis Rams. Let's talk about what going forward because we got a big game this weekend with the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be with Aaron Rodgers either, and that's what that's why they schedule that game. They want to have. When I was coaching with the Packers, we often times went to Thanksgiving in Detroit. And when I was coaching in Detroit, oftentimes it was the Green Bay Packers coming to town because it's a classic. It's been going on for a lot of years. And they wanted Aaron Rodgers for that game. And I think everybody does. And he's not playing. So it's going to be Matt Flynn who brought the Packers back to the overtime. What were they down, 20-3? to three? And, and, all this, and they pulled Scott Tolzien, who got the start but didn't, uh, didn't finish the game. Here's Matt Flynn again. He gets another, he gets another shot at it. It didn't work out at other places that he traveled to, but here he is back with the Packers, and, and I think he's the one that they're going to ask to try to win that game in Detroit. But that division, the NFC North, my God, is it up for grabs. And the team that what that went to the playoffs last year with the Vikings, they're nowhere to be found. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine, you know, and Mike McCarthy says he's going to get both quarterbacks ready, and we got to talk about that a little bit because I don't know how you get two quarterbacks ready on a short you week. Don't. I don't know how you do that. We'll talk about that in a second. But if I'm Mike McCarthy, I did their game against the Detroit Lions. Detroit went into Green Bay where Green Bay had it sewn up so they didn't play Aaron Rodgers. And all Matt Flynn did against the Detroit Lions, who needed to win this, uh, go in. He goes in and throws six touchdown passes. So, uh, to me, I'm going to pull, uh, you know, if, let's see, who am I going to start? Tolzien, I had to pull him, or the guy that last time he saw the Detroit Lions threw six touchdown passes. I'm not the sharpest tack in the drawer, but I think I'm going to go with Matt Flynn. Well, that's what they're going to do, I think. Uh, but, you know, the thing that's interesting about these short games, and, and uh, they're here to stay. Thursday nights are here to stay, and so is Thanksgiving. So, it's one of the great things we have. Um, it's not a landslide that home teams keep winning these games. It really isn't. In fact, on Thursday night football, it's 38 to 22. Uh, the, you know, the travel team has won 22 times on our network. And, 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 and I, we can get into this some other time, but the injury rates are way down on Thursday night too, which is surprising because you go, ooh, that's a tough game to play. Well, there's fewer injuries on Thursday nights for some odd reason. Anyway, um, I, think, I think teams are getting really smart about it, Brian. Nobody's putting pads on. Nobody's having full-on practices, really. Uh, they're kind of having the you know, practice in pajamas, and they're walking through, and they're having in shorts, and they have a lot of meetings, and they, and they get freshened up uh, because they have to. And so, uh, you know, and I, and I think what we've done to make these Thursday night games or Thanksgiving games doable is there's not a lot of travel involved. We don't go coast-to-coast coast anymore. We try to stay in the division and in the same time zone if it's possible. So I think that's helped made it much more competitive. Yeah. And Chicago, I'm going to do the Chicago, Minnesota game this weekend. So again, Chicago doesn't look like they're going to get Jay Cutler back and God knows who's going to start at quarterback in Minnesota. It sounds like Christian Ponder again. Uh, But again, the, the NFC North is getting very, very interesting because that is a wounded Detroit lion team that is, is playing now, even though they got Nate Burleson back. Mentally, 
mentally wounded? Both, both, because, I, you know, they had a huge opportunity. They're a yep. game up in the division. Green Bay and Chicago lose their quarterbacks, and they're going to play at the time a, what was it, a 2-6 and six Pittsburgh Steelers team? And, yeah. now, and, and now playing a 2-8 and eight at home, Tampa yeah. Bay team, and they lose both games. Yeah. So it's a huge missed opportunity. Uh, and, but, you know, they, they get Nate Burleson back, so they've got Megatron, Calvin Johnson. They've got uh, Pettigrew at tight end. they got Reggie Bush coming out of the backfield. Because Nate Burleson's been hurt, they find out that Chris Durham's a pretty good big receiver. Uh, and now they get Nate Burleson back. And so you think this is going to be an offensive explosion. And they were kind of up and down the field, but – Odd turnovers, five turnovers in, in odd, odd ways. Balls being tipped. Chris Durham on the sideline spins around and just literally just kind of throws the ball up in the air. They're, the Detroit's driving length of the field to get the winning score. And of all people, Calvin Johnson catches the ball but kind of tips it up in the air. And Jonathan Banks intercepts it. <laughs> intercepts it. So I, I don't know where mentally Detroit is right now. And so as you look at this NFC North, uh, it's Green Bay. Can, if, if Green Bay can get this win yeah, on well. Thursday against Detroit and then Aaron Rodgers comes back, I think I've got them the next week, um, uh, Green Bay, as they play uh, 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 Cleveland, um, are, they, are they the favorite? You know, that's a good point. Maybe if uh, the winner of this game, Packers-Lions over there on Thanksgiving, that, this is huge. It's like a playoff game. But yeah, I agree with you. The Lions have just got to be kicking themselves because – they haven't won that division, Brian, in 20 years. And the, the time you want to do it is when, well, maybe I'm good enough now. I got enough weapons to compete, which they do. I think their personnel is, is uh, comparable to the others in the division. And then when, you, when the other two teams that should win the division lose their starting franchise quarterback, Cutler or Aaron Rodgers, this is the year you have to win the division. You have to win it uh, because this it might be just a small window of opportunity. And so, uh, you know, they, I, I think the pressure is on in Detroit for them to find a way to win this division because if it doesn't happen this year, you know, you got to assume those other quarterbacks are going to be back healthy uh, next year and, of course, towards the end of the year. A lot of, lot of drama and intrigue in that division right now. Steve, you know Detroit real well having coached there and, and just being around the city. I've done like four, four Detroit games and being around the city, you know, and you take the cab from the airport to the – hotel and then you're around the city and you're downtown and then before the game and all that and and the fans are kind of like what are we going to do here how good are we really and they're not a bad football team don't get me wrong I mean they got a good front four they've got all those offensive weapons they are starting two rookies on the right side in the offensive line who actually held up pretty good but uh yeah you look at and I, I misspoke it's it's Atlanta that I've got that game I don't know what games I have anymore Steve I'm coming to, I don't even know what airport I'm in anymore but they've got Detroit, Atlanta. I'm talking about Green Bay now. Dallas, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. So it's not a, it's not an easy road for the Green Bay Packers. Let's let's change gears right here real quick. Uh, Carolina, all but a struggle against Miami. Seven straight wins now. I don't know if I got to pick a team right now that I want to hook my wagon to in the NFC beyond Seattle. And Seattle, we're going to find out about Seattle because they're going to go on the road and play San Francisco here in a week or so. But, boy, this Carolina team has really begun to look like a team that can do that. Can you believe seven wins in a row? Uh, I'm happy for Ron, and I know you've had many of his games, and, and he's, he's done a nice job. We talked about him being on the hot seat earlier. Well, forget about that. He's, he's the new pay to man. And so um, in Cam's development, that defense is for real. They won a game, you know, uh, at, 
at the end of the game, they had to come from behind. They didn't, they didn't play very well in the first half. Uh, against Miami, but they found a way at the end to put it together and win it. And you got to have some of those, right? You got to have a couple of ugly wins or win it at the end, whatever you call it. Now, they have Tampa Bay coming in. Tampa Bay is on a win streak. <laughs> and, and that Tampa Bay team, you know, we talked about them, you know, and Greg Schiano and all that kind of stuff, and the team's in disarray. I don't know about that. I think that team is fighting like crazy. And I think they're going to, that's going to be a heck of a game, Tampa Bay and Carolina. Mooch, I was very impressed with Mike Glennon. I don't know what your opinion is Ooh. on him. Of course, we do the draft together in the combine. But, and he, you know, big, tall guy's got that long stroke. This kid was very, you know, for me, for a rookie, it's, it's only, hey, is the game too big for him? And it's not for Mike Glennon. This kid is very calm, very poised, and, and I was very impressed with Mike Glennon. Yeah, you know that show that we do, Game Changers, after the uh, combine? And we had Mike Glennon. I know you watch that show religiously. Absolutely. Anyway, I got to tape it. I had uh, Mike Glennon, okay? And, and uh, he worked out. Kurt Warner joined me and all that stuff. And we put him through drills. And we had interviews and this and that. So he had some time to spend around that kid. And you kind of get a feel for him. And he wasn't going to be that first-round guy. There were other quarterbacks we were all talking about. But he had a good college career. Coming away from that workout in that couple days of getting to know him, he could sling it. There's no doubt about that. He's a big, tall guy, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, almost, and he can sling it. But what impressed me was his maturity. He's got a real even keel, nothing too high, nothing too low. Um, we moved him around and threw the ball from the run and did some escapes drills. He did that better than expected for a tall, lanky guy. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, he got his opportunity because it didn't work out for Josh Freeman down there for some reason. And, you know, that's what it is with these young kids, taking advantage of an opportunity, which he has done. And now he's becoming one of the reasons why they're winning over there in Tampa. They lose their running back, right? And now they got to rely even more on the quarterback. And he's answered the bell. I'm really proud of him. Yeah, when, I, when we met with them and, and what, what struck me was, you know, sometimes when you meet with rookie quarterbacks, they really try to act cool. They really like, hey, nothing phases me. I'm good to go. Yeah. And it, what gets me is sometimes, you know, I want to know that you know enough to be afraid, okay? I, sometimes a little too cool tells me, ah, you don't know. You don't know quite what you're stepping into. But this kid, and then you see him on game day, it, that's not the case. There is a cool and calm about him. He has a lot of belief in, his, uh, in what he does. And, uh, yeah, it was fun to watch. So, well, that's going to do it for the Coach Show podcast. Make sure to join us every week right here. Go to iTunes and subscribe to the Coach Show podcast where we talk all things NFL from the coach's perspective. Thanks for listening, everybody.